In the year 2148, explorers on Mars discovered the remains of an ancient spacefaring civilization. In the decades that followed, these mysterious artifacts revealed startling new technologies, enabling travel to the furthest stars. The basis for this incredible technology was a force that controlled the very fabric of space and time. They called it the greatest discovery in human history. The civilizations of the galaxy call it Mass Effect. You're listening to Fair Point. I'm Nathan Capison. And I'm Craig Lewis. Craig. Yes. Our Facebook is popping. It's oh, popping, son. Oh, yeah. Um, Starting to pick up. Yes. If you're not a fan of our Facebook page, what are you doing, man? Man, what there's, are you doing? there's videos. Go right now. The first thing, you need to go into the bathroom, look at the mirror long and hard at yourself, and like, really, like, what are you doing with your life? Just really, you're be brutally honest it, with kind yourself. Kind of. If, if if you're not there. Second, go like us on Facebook. It'll help us out a lot. You want to help us out, right? And, I guess uh, so. <laughs> lots of, lots of cool so. shit. Cool shit going on in the Facebook. Uh, updates about upcoming episodes. You got clips from upcoming episodes and past episodes. Pictures, memes, all sorts of shit. So get That's on there. That's fun stuff, man. I've been laughing. Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Also, our YouTube channel. Check out our YouTube channel. You can see all those videos. Usually they get posted on the Facebook wall, but youtube.com slash user slash Fairpoint Podcast. Got a few videos up there, and uh, as usual, the, sub- the subscribing, the likes, it all helps, and uh, we've got constant content coming out for you guys. So get into that. I got to tell you, I actually did some things this week. I did stuff. I went to the drive-in. Like a drive through movie? Yeah. Drive-in oh my god, movie. I didn't know there was any around here anymore. I haven't been to one since I was a child. Yeah, and there's one in Fulton. And uh it was a triple feature actually. We missed the first one which was The Crudes. Oh, okay, the animated animated movie, movie, yeah. Uh the final one we skipped out on was Hangover 3 cuz I figured, well, I've already seen it twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the one that we wanted to go see was Man of Steel. Oh, okay. And um, I, I got to say, looking back on it, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Um, when I first finished it, like I was kind of mixed. There were things that I didn't like about it. and But just as time's gone on, I'm thinking back on it. You know, I'm liking it more and more. Now, I'm a huge... I think Zack Snyder is a very, very good adaptationist. I probably just made that word up. But he's good at adapting. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Webster's... <laughs> Yeah, you made it up. He's good at adapting uh, other people's work into film, I think. Like, the comics he's adapted to film have been amazing. I really don't like Sucker Punch. I was about to say, like, Sucker Punch? Well, that was his first original (laughs) effort, too. It wasn't based on anything. Watchmen, it can be debated, but I honestly, my opinion on the Watchmen film is mostly positive. And as fans of the comic, I, um, I enjoyed 300. A lot yeah. of people hate on it. I was just It's it was, not necessarily it my type of thing, film, but, but it's a great adaptation. It. It's it's true to the source material. It, right. 
It's, right. I'm not really into the whole big muscle dudes fighting each other thing. So, well, but. he did make one big change in no. source material. I was going to ask you about that. Let's do this without... I don't want to spoil spoiler anything free. for anybody if you if you haven't heard the spoiler yet. But yes, I heard that something happens that's very not something you'd see in a Superman comic. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. Well, I actually... I read an interview with Zack Snyder and... Uh, he basically talked about it and reasoned why he did it. And it's something that Christopher Nolan was actually, you know, he wasn't on board with. He produced the movie, right? Chris yes. Nolan? Okay. Yeah. He basically just reasoned it out and it made sense to me. So, I mean, I can't really go into any details of the interview without giving away spoilers. So I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything. And I'm also not a huge Superman fan. I appreciate him. I, I appreciate his part in the Batman mythos and like his relationship with Bruce there's some Wayne Tech stuff, satellite. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Tech, Tech satellite in there. I heard that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'm a Superman fan. Yeah, it's his it's his interactions with Batman that made me really appreciate him as a character. Right, right. Except for Dark Knight Returns. I never was a fan of Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> you hear that? Fuck you, Frank Miller. Well, Frank Miller did Year One. I like Year One, but I really don't like Dark Knight Returns. But one of the things I definitely disliked about it and maybe it's because i was at the drive-in and you know because the screen is different it maybe would have worked better in the imax or in 3d like the the combat was close up and like shaky cam kind of style chris nolan style yeah it was just so cluttered i couldn't really tell what was going on like i said maybe if i was in imax it would be more open i could have seen it better but how was henry cavill as superman oh excellent he really was he like when he was superman i was just like that's spot on you know finally that's the guy that played jesus right that's Jim Caviezel. Oh, okay. <laughs> close, like, close. He doesn't look like him, but damn, did he get to play Jesus and Superman? <laughs> like, holy shit, give him Goku, and oh that's my like God. the perfect trinity right there. <laughs> that's what the Triforce is made of. Yes. <laughs> Their life force. Yeah, I really enjoyed his performance, though. He was he was good, and I got confused a little bit during the middle because it seemed made it seem like the military knew that it was Clark Kent. Yeah. The whole time, like... And, like, the reporters went, you know, Lois Lane knows okay. that Clark Kent is Superman. That much I can guarantee, you know. But then at the end, it was like, okay, so nobody knows that Clark Kent's Superman. He's just some guy, some bumbling idiot again, coming in to uh, work at the Daily Planet. <laughs> but all around, it was an excellent movie. I would definitely give my um, approval. You should see it, and you should see it the way it's meant to be seen, I think. On the big screen. On the big screen. Yeah, I'll, I'll forego the IMAX. I'll forego the 3D I'll definitely see it at a drive-in if I can. But uh, <laughs> seven dollars for a triple feature—that's cheaper than to go see one movie in a movie theater, and yeah. it's a better experience. And it is a fun experience. It's, you know, they got the little cut scenes in between movies, like "Let's all go to the lobby." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just like, "Ah, that's awesome!" Dancing hot dogs—the one thing that this night was missing. <laughs> uh, and also, the Futurama premiere aired, and I just got to put this out there. I don't know if you remember in our Futurama episode, things I wanted to see. Well, my main thing was I wanted to see what happened to Gunter and how he was doing. Boom. Frickin' premiere. He's out there. Fucking A. So what's he doing? He is running a business. Gunter is the genetically engineered super smart monkey who decided he just wanted to be averagely smart. Yeah, he said, he said using my medium intelligence I'm able to allow rich people to to see their dreams come to fruition. 
he finally achieved his dreams, which was letting rich people achieve their dreams. And it was great. It was great. He's doing good. Got shot with a trank dart, but he's good. <laughs> cool. All right, let's look at some news. This one's really going to freak you out. So over at the Manchester Museum in England, there is... England, Manchester, England. Yeah, I assume that's where it is. I'm not 100% sure, actually, but it is the Manchester Museum. Oh, it's fighting Manchester United. (laughs) It's a safe bet. Uh, There at that Manchester Museum, there's on display a 10-inch statue of Neb Sanu. Who is is Neb Sanu? I don't know. Uh, Um... That sounds really like a uh, secret Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> right. It's from ancient Egypt. So somebody ancient Egyptian, Googling Neb Sanu won't get you anything but <laughs> 10, 20 pages of this news story. I can't find any Wikipedia article or any article about who he was and what he meant to ancient Egypt. And that's interesting because there's a statue of him on display at a yeah. museum. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was a pharaoh. Maybe he was a pharaoh. But I... You'd think you could find an article on a fucking pharaoh. There's no Wikipedia article. I love ancient Egypt. Do you think all pharaohs have been... Um, Wikipedia'd? Wikipedia'd. <laughs> There's been, there was a lot of pharaohs. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe lots of pharaohs. Ones. Maybe just, you know, because you figured they'd die at like age 18. So this statue, it's about 10 inches, and it uh, started moving on its own. Um, Por qué? <laughs> no, it's not walking around or anything, but... Uh, it is, it sits in a oh glass case. Oh my god! Case. The Ben Stiller movie just came true. Right, and uh, hopefully Robin Williams is not Teddy Roosevelt. Wait, wait, really? This statue's just moving. It doesn't walk around or anything. No, but it uh, it sits in a glass case. Okay. Over the course of the day, it spins around 180 degrees, and nobody can figure out why. There's a couple theories that magnetism, maybe it's magnetism. Uh, that would be my theory. First gas. It's carved from steatite, and it's been fired, so apparently it could be affected by magnetic forces. It's been fired? I guess that's what it said. I, I like guess that means when it was burnt? built, like, yeah, something like, like when it was made. It's like, you know, it's had a few jobs, lost a few jobs. <laughs> it's been fired. They're like, will you stay still? Your job is to stand here. Stand here in this glass oh, yeah. case so people can see you. If you worked in retail, you know, there's a simple rule. You don't put your back. Your back stays to the wall. Your back doesn't go to the customers. You got to see their faces. So, yeah, it's apparently been let go. It's been fired um, because it's it just keeps moving around. But I also, there could be one theory, uh, just some museum guard is, like, fucking with people. Well, no, they set up a camera. You can watch the video. I saw it online. Um, All night? Yeah, it goes all day. You'll see. You see throughout the day, people. It's sped up because it goes so slowly. But you see right. people rushing around. So the it room goes so slow. You wouldn't and, like watching it. You wouldn't even notice. No, you wouldn't see anything. And then eventually the museum closes. You see like the lights get darker and everything. It spins completely one hundred and eighty degrees. So you're looking at its back, and then it mm. stops. The other theory is that it's vibrating. That there's some vibration in the building or something making it very quickly and subtly vibrate so that it turns. It could also be the soul of Noob Sabot or something like that. <laughs> Noob Sabot. <laughs> Neb Sabot. Neb Sanus. Here's the problem with both the magnetic theory and the vibration theory is it stops once it's turned around 180 degrees and it just spins in a perfect circle. Like it's kind of... It's kind of weird. 
They don't explain why it stops after spinning 180 degrees. So it's not like it just takes 24 hours to spin 180 degrees and the next day it spins another 180 degrees. And they degrees. come and turn it around, right? Um, well, they turn it around every day. They come in and no, it, it just stops. Uh, and on its back, there is an inscription asking for sacrificial offerings of bread, beer, oxen, and fowl. Beer? Yes. He wants beer. So maybe that's it. He's like, come on, I want some bread, some beer, beer, some beef, oxen, and chicken. And some fowl. He's my kind of guy. <laughs> Let's I barbecue like sometime. I like this noob Saibot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this Neb Sanu guy. He's, he's something. Any relation to Sabu the wrestler? Is he from Egypt? I don't know, but their names sound the same. Then probably. I think it's safe to say they're related then. <laughs> Maybe Destiny Cousins. You never know. In movie news, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been a lot of talks of Terminator 5. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. And who will be playing the cyborg? Is it Arnold Schwarzenegger? It is not. It is The Rock. Oh. Yeah. It, I mean, it was even reported that writers are writing the story specifically just to accommodate him as that character. Okay. And it's just like, it's like, well, why don't you just write the story and he should fit the role? <laughs> yeah, that don't. I'm sick of everybody giving everything to The Rock. Like, here. Making it a rock vehicle. Yeah. Just like. If oh. it's Terminator, I mean. Fuck, it's The Rock, it's Terminator. That seems like a fair enough match for me. I've never been a big Terminator fan. I mean, Terminator um, 4 was kind of bad. I've heard. I've just never been into Terminator. I recognize that I love the, first the first two, two were supposed to be very good I really like them. I'm not a James Cameron fan, so maybe that has a lot to do with it. I uh, Could I'm be. one of the rare people that really doesn't like Aliens. That's my least but favorite of the first three. I'm not really a James Cameron fan either, but the Terminators and the Aliens... Aliens, yeah. Aliens was my favorite out of the three. It's or, a lot of people's. I, yeah, I consider it just a trilogy, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like Titanic. I didn't like Avatar. Yeah, me. There, either. I said it. I fell asleep during Avatar. Yeah. I went to see it with my brother and my dad, and uh, they were like, <sighs> kind of giving me shit afterwards because I didn't like it. Like I was trying to be too hip for this movie I'm oh like, like guys, you're some kind of pretentious bastard yeah like it's okay for me to not like a movie it doesn't mean uh it has to be an art house masterpiece it just means i didn't fucking like it enough said and it's not because i don't like james cameron i realized i don't like james cameron because one day it wasn't that long ago a year or two ago and i was like hmm i don't like any of his movies <laughs> i like three of them <laughs> Which was what? Aliens, Terminator 2, and Terminator. And Terminator, duh. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. The Rock and Terminator, that makes sense to me. He's a good follow up to Arnold Schwarzenegger, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm, a, I'm even a Rock fan, and I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. I'm just kind of like tired of everybody catering to this guy. Yeah, I hear And you. pandering to him. Like, I was a fan of you 10 years ago in the WWE. Since then, you've really done nothing for me. I really I haven't liked him in any movies. But you're right. You know, he does kind of fit the new muscle-bound, you know, Terminator-looking thing. Yeah. I mean, he is more of a an in, inhuman-looking... Yeah, he looks like an action figure, <laughs> basically. Have you seen this John Travolta, Robert De Niro movie yet? Not the movie itself, but the trailer? I have not. It's called Killing Season. It's it, a, it, One's hunting the other? Yeah. Well, basically, the plot of the movie is John Travolta has a giant, ridiculous chin-strap beard and a ridiculous Russian accent. <laughs> so they're basically redoing Deer Hunter. Um, <laughs> it looks like something else, man. Definitely looks a little weird. His, and I said Russian, excuse me. It's not Russian, it's Bosnian. They're very similar accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it's really weird. John, it's so clearly John Travolta. <laughs> like, and he's doing a Bosnian accent. I'm not John Travolta. I'm a Bosnian. <laughs> Mr. God. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm intrigued. I just want to hear this accent. Jobs. I have one. So does Ashton Kutcher. Oh, boy. Do you know that he was on the um, list of top five people I want to punch? Who are the other four? Oh, we've got a whole episode coming for that. Just uh, for it. I'll take your word <laughs> for it. I mean, Ashton Kutcher, I liked him as Kelso on that 70s show. Yeah, until, but then he started like taking it over. Yeah, every every role he played was Kelso. Yeah. Uh, but, I have a theory about how he killed Brittany Murphy with his bad acting. Wow. <laughs> It's, wow. it's just something I'm going through. I'm, I'm still collecting evidence. So I imagine you wouldn't it, want to say it, anything to it's damage more of the a, case? It's more of a vicarious killing than an actual homicide. <laughs> All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Would you like to know what his new job is? Sure. He's playing Steve Jobs. Wait, because he looks exactly like him. Yeah, that's that's my <laughs> initial thought. You're, you're being sarcastic, I assume, Absolutely. Right? You think about it, you're like, nah, Ashton Kutcher doesn't look like Steve Jobs. You start watching this trailer to this movie. The movie's called Jobs, by the way. Yeah. And you're like, what am I Maybe watching? What is this? Could be Why is Ashton Steve Kutcher? Jobs? Yeah. <laughs> what, it just looks but like Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as it's going through it, you know, and he's getting kind of older in it, and they, there's only really one quick shot from behind for like a half a second when he's totally bald and older, you know what I mean? And you're, and then you start thinking about it, and you're like, and then you're picturing Ashton Kutcher in your head, and you're, and you're photoshopping the hair away, like you know what I mean, but right. keeping that beard and putting the tiny little glasses on him, and you're like, you know what, I can kind of see it. Yeah, well, I mean, makeup is pretty good. Yeah, makeup, makeup. you can do wonders with with a good makeup artist. Still seems like a questionable choice of making this whole movie, but yeah, can you tell me one time he's ever done a serious role? Ashton Kutcher, yeah. butterfly effect. Okay, no, I'm, I'm. Can you tell me one time he's ever done a serious role? <laughs> Touche. That sir. does not count. Forrest Gump. That was Tom Hanks. Catch me if you can. Also Tom Hanks. Point Break. Keanu Reeves. As good as it gets. Jack Nicholson. No, no, not Jack Nicholson. Helen Hunt. Oh yeah, yeah. A Christmas Carol. Mickey Mouse. No, no, no. The remake. Bill Murray. No, the remake. Jim Carrey. The Green Mile. Michael Clark Duncan. No, it was Dude, Where's My Car? No, that was Sean William Scott. Fuck, you're right. You know what's coming out next year? I know that's a very vague question. Let me narrow it down mm-hmm. for you a little bit. It's a show. Is it The uh, the Shield? It's, no. Maybe, I don't know, but that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, you know, Age is a Shield? It's a no. Disney show. It's a Disney show. It's live action. Hanging with Spidey? It's continuing an older show. It's a sequel series to this other series. Man, come on. Just give it up. Please <laughs> tell me because I have nothing left. I'm like, I'm trying to think Star Wars. Patience, Mr. Lewis. Doctor Who? No. Come on, man. <laughs> Boy Meets World. Um, oh, I did Girl know about Meets that. Girl Meets World is coming out next year. I did know uh, about that. That was not in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's about Cory and Topanga's daughter. Yep. And uh, the shenanigans that they get into. And is uh, Feeney still hanging around? I saw a picture of him, so I think he's at least in the pilot. But apparently Sean's going to be like her Feeney. You know, Corey's best friend. He's teaching? 
No, just like her like neighbor, uh, you know, wisdom. Wise, like yeah, uh, even Corey though wasn't he teaching. wasn't Sean like not exactly the type <laughs> of person you want to take teenage advice from? Well, now he's older. Yeah, and, and he, was... he did Cabin Fever. So Ryder Strong is that his name? Is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I hope Corey's older brother Eric shows up too. Yeah, is he uh, acting still? I don't know, but he was cool. He was one of the good. I love that fucking show. Oh yeah, did you like it when they went to college too? Yeah. So it was better than Saved by the Bell? Yeah, it was definitely a better show than Saved by the Bell. I like Saved by the Bell, but I think Boy Meets World definitely was better quality series. Yeah, I would agree. Saved by the Bell is fun to watch. It's not that good. It really isn't. It doesn't hold up at all, which is weird because I remember watching it all throughout college and being like... (laughs) Well, it's fun to watch an episode here or there, but you can't sit there and watch the season. I always loved the interaction between Zach and the principal. Hey, 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 what is going on here? <laughs> that was my favorite. It was like the principal. It was almost like the principal, like... Stalking him? Cool. Yeah, like, he's like... <laughs> well, he did was going through a, some midlife yeah. crisis stuff, like when his wife was pregnant and, sh- and shit like that. It's like, what is... This? You don't think about it as a kid, but what a sad man. This is like a 40-year-old man <laughs> who's more or less hanging out with a well, 13, well, 14... To... To give him a little bit of credit, he was still hanging out with him when he was 17, 18. You know, it was just like randomly, oh, they go to Maui. Oh, Belding's there too. Just so happens to be. You like Feeny. You know what? That was kind of corny how Feeny just happened to be everywhere. Always. But you love Feeny, so you just deal with it. <laughs> if you ever see him in a different movie, I'm just like, oh, there's Mr. Feeny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have. But if I did, I would definitely be like, that's Mr. Feeny. Definitely can't see you as I've remembered but. seeing him in a few different movies. Uh, I wouldn't be able to recall those movies off the top of my head. What else was has he been in? Let's 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 see this. Let's let's figure this out. Who is Mr. Feeney? Who is Mr. Feeney? A special fair point segment. Uh he's been on Grey's Anatomy. Uh yes, he is in Girl Meets World. It's on his IMDB. Paulilu Mixtape, Boston Legal, Blades of Glory. That's where I saw him. Okay. Probably. I haven't seen it. Uh, he's on The Closer, The Benchwarmers. That's he where did I saw a, it. Okay. <laughs> he did a voice on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Probably wouldn't have recognized that. Also a voice on Kim Possible. Uh, remember that. I actually remember that one. I liked Kim Possible. Was, I really didn't. I liked Rufus. Yeah. You know, funny story <laughs> about Kim Possible. Who was Rufus's Ron? Ron. I, I would watch it and I'd be like, Ron is Randall. From the cartoon clerks. Like, there's a difference between cartoon Randall and live-action Randall. And Ron is totally cartoon Randall. And I was like, look at it. Whoever... There was someone involved in the show that was inspired by that. I swear there was. Are you talking about just the look? The design? No, no, no. The way he acted. Okay. The the way he was written. His personality. Yeah. It almost seemed like it was written to be Randall. You know, like... And then performed by someone else. I wouldn't be able uh, to remember enough episodes to... Well, I found out later on that the guy who created Kim Possible was, like, one of the chief animators on Clerks, the animated series. He was one of the very important people in Clerks. So... So, maybe. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, after (laughs) after seeing that... Connection made. He's also... Let's see. So, what else has Feeney been in? The King of Queens. Uh, He's done a voice on The Simpsons. Twice. Twice. He did the voice of K-I-T-T, Kit. Night, oh, by Mr. he's P. Knight Rider. He was the voice. He played Knight Rider. That's awesome. The Lion's Den, Lost at Home, Touched by an Angel, Crazy Love, 
Scrubs? I don't remember seeing him on Scrubs. That's, That's awesome. probably where I saw him, too. Maybe I did, and I just forgot. Uh, Star Trek Voyager, Boy Meets World, of course, The Lottery, Magic Kid 2, Nurses, Back to the Streets of San Francisco. So he's got a lot of work, yeah. I would say. Also the fact that, yeah, list. he's fucking Kit from Holy Knight Rider. Holy shit, this list is long. I thought we were going to sit here and read this whole list. Never mind. You're an accomplished actor, sir. Grandpa Goes to Washington. <laughs> That's one of my faves. Top three in the Red Books. Sarah T, Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic. That was a TV movie from 1975. Captain Nice. I sure hope he played Captain Nice. Yeah, so Girl Meets World's coming out. One thing that's a little disappointing, Corey is a history teacher. That's disappointing? Topanga owns a juice bar. Huh. Wasn't she the smart one? Seriously. I would figure... Corey would have, like, be running a store, kind of like his father does. Yeah, and Topanga should be and teaching. Topanga she would was, be cheesy. That, teaching. That's really disappointing. She was the nerd. She was the smart one. Of the and group. also, really, do we need a juice bar for the kids to hang out at? You is, is it sitcom writing that hard that you can't write situations for these characters to interact no, with No, because other? apparently nobody just goes to Denny's or to a diner. Did you ever go to a juice bar when you were a kid? Because the Power Rangers did, the Saved by the Bell kids did, Doug Funny did, fucking everyone on TV did. Uh, the Saved by the Bell kids went to a burger joint. Okay. Just the facts. Mass Effect is a third-person action RPG sci-fi video game trilogy created by BioWare, the first being released on November 20th, 2007 as a Microsoft-exclusive title, while the second and third were released on multiple platforms. The game follows Commander Shepard on his or her mission to save the galaxy from a menace known as the Reapers, whose sole purpose is to destroy all life. The franchise has been so successful, it jumped into other mediums, such as books, comics, an animated movie, and a live-action one on the way. That's official? There's an actual there official is. live action? They're movie? doing the screenplay right now. Oh, that's dope. Do you know who, do they know who's writing it? Uh, it's a Legendary Pictures movie, and it's being written by somebody named Morgan Davis Fole. I have no idea who that is. He's kind of a rookie, I guess. Okay. So why give him the helm of an amazing sci-fi opera? Maybe he's good. Maybe he's got the chops. Maybe but he's I see got what you're that saying. indie touch. Maybe make him prove himself with something a little smaller than Mass Effect first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I have never played a Mass Effect game. Uh, one of my jobs is in a video game store, so I'm familiar with it. And oh, I know a little bit, but... that pains my heart because it's like my favorite video game series. Fuck you, Mario Brothers. Fuck you, Mega Man. Fuck Castlevania. Mass wow. Effect. Okay, I like all the other ones, but... That's, that's a pretty <laughs> bold statement, yeah. It's it, by far my favorite, and a lot of it has to do with the story in and of itself. It's just it's written well, and a lot of people complain about the ending. I know, I know, but I accepted it for what it was when they patched it. But a lot of the big reasons is the gameplay and and just the fact that like every decision you make throughout the game impacts your game and at some point down the road in other games even. 
other games? Like, decisions you make in Mass Effect 1 will change something that occurs in Mass Effect 2. What? It, it like, imports your save data? Yeah. What? It even imports your character. That's crazy. That's cool. I mean, obviously, you start back from, like, level 1, you know, and you have to rebuild. Like, you finish the first game, then you go into the second game, and you die in, like, the first five minutes of the game. I assume there's going to be spoiler a pretty spoiler-heavy <laughs> uh, episode. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna be giving you a little bit of the story behind it. and So there's your warning. Examine this. Is, this. this is a spoiler-heavy episode. But it's just so cool. Like, to me, that was that was awesome. And a lot of people complain that the decisions aren't as impactful about the ending. But to me, what, you want there to be, you know, 20 million possible endings that could have happened in the game? Come on, be realistic. Yeah. That's way too much work for... It's not... I mean, come on, they're not Chrono Trigger. Yeah, exactly. What I know about Mass Effect is basically the little bit about the ending thing. I know that the main character can be either a boy or a girl. Yep, you could be Femme Shop. So what are these Reapers? That's what you said they're called? Yeah, Reapers. They're basically... They're sentient machines. Okay. And there's a myth, you know, about them throughout the first game. You know, nobody believes you that this is what's to come. That, you know, there's going to be a crazy all-out full-scale war on the entire galaxy. Okay. Uh, So that, you know, they keep it hidden. But supposedly every 50,000 years, they will come out and wipe off all civilization. Oh, man. So they're like locusts, kind of. Yeah, kind of. But, like, you know, they just destroy stuff. They don't. But yeah, there's well, like and these what locusts do. They every like seventeen years they come and they're just like mm. Yeah, but right. they eat that stuff, don't they? But yeah, they I thought they do kind of fuck up the ecosystem a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Out, right? Yeah. Uh basically in the first game when you first find out about it, you discover this Proethean beacon uh on a reconnaissance mission, basically. And you touch it and it gives you all these visions and flashes and the Proetheans are the civilization that was wiped out by the Reapers 50,000 years ago. And nobody believes that it actually was the Reapers. They just say, you know, they died out and nobody knows why. And they're just uncovering their data and technology. And their technology is, you know, they built the mass relays that allow inter-system travel between uh, clusters and star systems. Okay, so what are these Proetheans? Give me just some type of mental image in my head so I, uh, otherwise I won't remember who's who. You know what I mean? What do they look like? Right, they right. Like? Okay, so they have four eyes, and their head like kind of looks like if you look down at a stingray. Okay. And the two eyes on the one side, and the two eyes on the other side. And what like what color are they? They're like a green turquoise. And I just want to say I've been saying Proetheans. Yeah. They're the Protheans. Protheans. Okay. That sounds a lot more fluent. Yeah, I don't that, know why I've been calling them Proetheans. That rolls off the tongue a little better. Yeah. They created the mass relays and all this technology, and they created the Citadel. And the Citadel houses, like, the Senate. So they have the the Citadel Council. Okay. And that's, in, like, ambassadors from all the different races. Uh, but on the Council, they just have the oldest races. So you have Turians, Asari, and Salarians. Okay. They're the most stable and oldest races of them all. Um, eventually, humans finally make it in, thanks to Shepard. Okay. So, Turians are weird-looking things. They're also green, and they have kind of like a scaled, almost like a, a crest, like a peak at the back, like as their hair, but there's not. it's not hair, it's 
you know, their skin. They're like a lizard almost. And their face comes down really flat, you know, and they just kind of have like, like two tendrils on each side hanging down to their mouth, like past their chin. One of your crewmates is Garrus, who's a Turian. Are all these races humanoid? For the most part, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Asari definitely also is humanoid. Okay. Uh, they're blue, and it's like the Asari are all female. It's an all-female race. And do they reproduce asexually? Nope. They reproduce with other races and create more Asari. Like, Asari can't breed and create a mix. They're, they just create more Asari. They can breed with any other race. Are there other humanoid races that come from their planet? The Asari's planet? Yeah. No. Then that means when they evolved, they were just, like, fucking animals and shit? <laughs> I don't know. Well, they don't, like... Like, what happened they, re- before- they reproduce... Okay, so they reproduce differently, though. It, they, like, touch heads. Like, they touch their hands to the head, and they reproduce, like, telepathically. Like, they share thoughts. Okay. And it transfers, like... I still imagine it's a pretty intimate <laughs> thing that... I don't know. Well, when you, ha- you kind of do it's, her, that's what happens. It's still apparently sex, if it... Mm-hmm engenders offspring at least i think i don't know what the well i mean because all the different alien races look there are other ones that they're with and yeah but what about before they discovered interstellar travel and they were just evolving on this planet i don't know you're breaking my grip on this reality life uh life uh finds a way jeff goldblum yeah they can't they can't see my my uh my uh my 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 hands moving around but uh but uh well there you go is that chaos theory <laughs> so after you uncover the prothean beacon oh and you get the flashes oh you're <laughs> you basically see this rogue specter that attacks you and the specters oh. are like the elite military group of the galaxy okay. uh, they're like James Bond's kind of. They're licensed to kill okay. specialists. The Turians, obviously, do, don't do like humans because, you know, humans being humans, they just kind of saw something that wasn't them and started attacking. <laughs> and that was known as the First Contact War. Okay. And that's why a lot of the other races and species don't really know if they can trust humans yet because they're still really new and, like, well, they came in and just attacked the Turians, you know? Yeah. Thick move. Yeah. So it was a big deal when you as Shepard are scheduled with a task to hunt down this Saren, who is a Turian Spectre that's gone rogue. And you become uh, you become a Spectre yourself right there in the beginning of the game. Who were you tasked by to do that? The humans? By the Council. So the all Galactic Council. Yeah, okay. yeah, they agree on that and make you a Spectre if it's gotcha. official. There's a Reaper invasion coming. And they don't believe in the Reapers, but you're supposed to find this Saren guy, get him back. And basically as you're going, you build your crew... Where do you find the people that, like, join your crew? So you start with two other officers that were with you uh, because you were a commander of this spaceship for the human Earth, you know, for Earth's fleet. So when you say crew, do you mean the crew of your ship or you just mean, like, yes, your party? Yes, the crew of your ship okay. and, and your party. So, uh, so what, they send you out with the bare minimum of what you can operate well, no, the ship no, with? Well, no, no, because you have, like, other crew members, NPCs, Okay. It's your ship's crew. They just you're going out with your entire crew. You already have an established Earth crew. Initially, they set you up with Garrus, who is a Turian. He is a CSEC officer, okay, which is like Citadel security. They're okay. like a no nonsense type of people. And I tell you what, Garrus is awesome. Uh, so you also start off with him, but you have Caden Lanko, who is a tech specialist, and 
Sergeant Ashley Williams, who is a potential love interest. She's basically great with guns. Okay. As you pick your class of you know what character you're going to be, it depends on what guns you can use. You can only use two types of guns. I like the six because there's pistols, submachine guns, shotguns, assault rifles, sniper rifles. You know, strategic because that plays in how you want what crew members you want to bring with you so you can utilize the best, you know, potential offense and defense. Okay. Asaris are the only uh, alien species that's that's naturally biotic, meaning they use the mass effect fields to their advantage. And, like, it's kind of like the Force in Star Wars, but you can see it. Like, you could project shit and, like, push them, like a Force push. You could build, like, a little dark hole that sucks in stuff and, like, does damage, like, lifts people out of the air. You could suspend people in the air and throw them around. Okay. And stuff. You could send, like, a, a wave of, like, energy and knock people back. So you said that technology, they... Like they use they've implants. Utilized or There's a, they've harnessed it with technology, right? For the other species. They have, yeah. There's an element that's big when you mine in the second game uh, called Element Zero. Okay. And they made, like, nodes out of it to and implants uh, to allow other races and species to use that those powers. And, like, okay. my character, of course, had the biotics. A lot of times, you, you know, it takes a certain mind. Like, maybe it'll only successfully stabilized with a person four out of every 10 people or something like that, you know, and the other people just go crazy and like mentally ch- insane just from having it. Yeah. From them just, just, you know, the foreign substance in their body, they can't, their sucks. body can't handle it and it makes them go crazy. And there's no way to test people beforehand. No, You're not just well, taking a gamble. See a lot of these tests were run by a group called Cerberus the people that run Cerberus are saying they're doing it for the greater good of humanity, you know, basically typical mad scientist bullshit. Uh, and they're also like a mercenary group and you fight them throughout the entirety of the game. And then the tech powers is basically just technology, like, like machines and weapons and stuff like digital things you have on your wrist armor. I don't know. And you could like send out drones. That's where technology goes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you put a bracelet on, you hit a button and then like something like a batarang shoots out. I love how the, the past basically like past sci-fi and everything basically predicted iPhones and stuff, but everyone wore them (laughs) on their wrists, but that totally didn't become a thing. We just put it in our pocket. Yeah. We just put it in their pocket. If they were right, you'd be listening to Fairpoint on your eye wrist. Eye wrist phone. But instead, you listen to Fairpoint on your iPhone, on iTunes. Okay, one other thing I want to get out there is your pilot. His name is Joker, and he's an NPC, but you can go back and constantly talk to him and have dialogue with him. He's played by none other than Seth Green. Oh, cool. And personally, I love him. I love Robot Chicken. I think he's cool. He's awesome. Yeah, Seth Green's cool. And he's actually pretty funny. He's good. It works. It definitely works. Has he done anything live action in a while? I don't think he has. I haven't seen Without him. a paddle. That was a long time ago, Craig. Yeah, I don't think so. At this point, Greg that was the Bunny. What, like 2005. Greg the Bunny was like 2002. <laughs> Can't hardly wait. <laughs> no, that was Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> uh, you also have Ship AI. Okay. Which I is, love that. Yeah. And its name is Edie. Like you take in like an Android type thing. Okay. And. It's shut down completely, and basically Edie puts her internal core into this android, so she's she's you're, she's allowed as a playable character. 
basically. So she's not just on the ship as the AI anymore. She's running both AI and she's this like actual character, physical being. And Joker kind of falls in love with her. And the, the, you can get the ending where they're holding hands, looking out like at the. At the so setting. does the android look like a person? Or yeah, like yeah. A, it's oh, a humanoid okay. android. It's not like it doesn't have like synthetic skin. Yeah. It's still metallic and it, like sparkles kind of. Oh, really? Yeah, like, well, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'd personally be into it, but <laughs> you could tell as, you know, the three games progress, like, they have a com- a huge bond together because they're constantly with each other and constantly talking to each other, and she does have a sexy female voice. Well, I mean... There's she, so much sex in this game, If she has a really. sexy voice, you know, I Yeah, mean. of course. <laughs> Since there is a femme shop, and because, you know, it's 2013, and who cares if you want to be gay or not, uh... You can also have the love interest with this Caden Alenko guy. Personally, he was a whiny bitch, so I constantly left him in the car. Back I, thought, <laughs> I read that you can't have a gay relationship if you were the dude. Only no, you if can you're totally the girl. have it. Yeah? Oh, I'm pretty sure you can. He was hitting on me. I know. Craig's that. like, I, don't, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, mean, I turned I didn't, down all his advances. I didn't try it, but I'm. <laughs> you, I, you I go home. Faintly remember you, him hitting on me. You go home. You start a new game, and you don't turn down his advances. But it's the same thing. He still just goes <laughs> yeah, out. To he the just, car. <laughs> he just did. Uh, and there is a big part um, in the end, and this is like the first huge impacting thing throughout the series. Is you make a decision where you have to save a bunch of people and sacrifice one of your crew members. And your choices are Ashley or Elenco. For me, this was an easy-ass decision. Because for one, I was hooking up with Ashley, and we were, like, in love or something. <laughs> and two... So the game told me. And two, Elenco, like I said, is a whiny douche. I never liked him. I never kept him with me. So I was like, Elenco, you're going to stay behind. And it was, like, all this, like, huge touching moment. I'm like, no, 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 go, go. Set off the bomb. Save everybody. <laughs> So, Ashley, what's up? Lenko's dying. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's fine. He'll be fine. We'll, we'll get back to him. Uh, like I said, you could also have the love interest with the Asari. That would be Liara Tassoni, who is an archaeologist. And then uh, Tali Vas Normandy. The last name is the name of the f- ship she's with. Okay. That's that's how their species works. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, they can't take off their masks. Like, they can't breathe the atmosphere or something like that. And it's kind of weird, you know, having a love thing with her because, like, you never see her face. Okay. She's she's wearing a like she's wearing a, a like an exo suit. Basically, she can't she can never take the suit off. I mean, like, you have like a bond, but you don't ever have sex, and that's why, like, she explains, like, I really like you, but because of this, I can never we can never be intimate with each other. Little, I would give anything for one day. Little did Shepard know that one girl that's fucking that one dude on his crew is her. And he never noticed that he never <laughs> saw them in the same room together. Oh, little did he know. Yeah, I told, wah, him, I, wah, I can't, I told him I can't take my armor off. This is a total sitcom moment here. Then there's another species that you join is the Krogans. They kind of resemble, be like a triceratops on two feet. Basically, like, like they're a huge thing. And, uh, I mean, not really. They don't because they don't have the horns, you know. Okay. But they kind of like have that look. Like I don't know, they're a big, bulky thing, and they don't look like they should be standing upright. That's for sure. But like their whole species is based on war. They're like all they do. Like they're kind of like warriors. The entire species are nothing but warriors, and they just want to fight other planets and stuff like that. Uh, so the Salarians, which is a peaceful, smart, scientific race, 
which kind of looked like salamanders standing up, created this disease called the genophage that would slow them down, you know, that would stop their pop repopulation so they wouldn't, you know, threaten the galaxy. And that kind of made, you know, more moral outcry. You're stopping an entire species of thinking beings from, you know, reproducing. Which isn't cool. No, no. But the moral battle of, is it okay? Because if they did repopulate, they would just fight other races. So we kind of don't want that. We want them to stop it. But you basically get the chance to cure it in the third game. Okay. uh, And help the planet. And there's a touching yeah. moment there with be one, way to with one of your Solarian uh, crewmates who's like basically saying he's trying to set things right, you know, and, and give them back the opportunity to reproduce. And like he was sorry <laughs> about it and that it was wrong. He's like, it was wrong. What we did was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, he's basically speaking on behalf of his people. Like he wasn't yeah, exactly for it, you know, but his people did that. Did they do like a, a country hip hop duet together. <laughs> no, he kind of just uh, sacrificed himself and said, waved bye to you. I'm just a Solarian. If you don't judge my reproductive means. Coming from the South land. And Did I, I forget and I, and I, and about I, and... my. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you have the commander of the Earth fleet, uh, the guy that's above you, the one okay. guy that's above you, is. Commander Anderson. Can I call him Commanderson for short? Yes. Okay. And he plays, you know, he's kind of like a father figure to you, like a mentor role. And he's played by the man, Keith David. I love this guy. Goliath from Gargoyles. Okay, 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 okay. Big Tim for that voice. from Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. He was in Platoon. He was Spawn in the animated series. The animated Spawn was fucking awesome. I want to watch that again. I haven't seen that in years. Much better than the live action one. So you get to the point where you find out that Saren is actually indoctrinated by the Reapers, like under their control. Okay. That's like their way of sneaking in. They, they're going to indoctrinate certain people and infiltrate all the other species and wipe them out, try to wipe them out that way. That's like their initial plan. Uh, you defeat Saren as he's destroying the Citadel. Okay. So in the other future games, uh, it's kind of like under construction in the second game. Which happens two years later. Okay. So you get to choose who lives and dies. You could be a dick or you could be a paragon or a renegade. And yeah, the renegade <laughs> so is obviously are, the bad guy. Those are the three choices. You could be a dick. <laughs> you can well, the be dick a paragon or you can be a renegade. The dick is the renegade. Like you get to punch a reporter in the mouth oh my God. at one point in the series. And it's a female. And then you still make good choices and it evens it out. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Right after the first game, there's a cutscene. You're in like a space battle, and your ship gets damaged, and you fall out of the ship, and you die. And then, game over. Opening cutscene. Game over. And then what do they do from there? A Cerberus ship picks you up, floating in space. They like basically rebuild you as a cyborg with all your skills, but they gave you, you know, your precognitive memories and okay. and all that. So you still you're still you, and you're still making the choices you're making. But they kind of have an implanted control thing on you. So that the only way to preserve your skills and everything that you're adept at is to leave your mind intact and everything. Right, right. right. Yeah. He brings you back to life, kind of. You don't trust this guy. His name's the Elusive Man, played by Martin Sheen. Really? Yeah. Pretty cool. He's a snake in the grass. But he's, you know, telling you everything's, he's doing everything for the greater good. And then he believes you in you and the Reapers. 
And so for the time being, you put your differences aside and just, you know, kind of work together because he has the means to give you what you need, you know, to achieve your common goal. Uh, you have two new stable characters, the Miranda Lawson, who is a Cerberus agent. This is the girl that I was saying. And there's Jacob Taylor, who's basically a military man. He's a good guy. He doesn't think he's, you know, Cerberus is doing anything too wrong. He's basically getting a paycheck, you know. And one of the dossiers you get is on this mercenary named Archangel that's an Omega. Omega's a space station uh, is built on an asteroid and it's kind of houses all the malcontents and, you know, criminals in the galaxy. It's like a haven that they all go and meet. So uh, it's run by a crime lord named Arya Talok, who is also an Asari. The, no, no space opera is complete without crime lords. Crime lords. <laughs> And you find this Archangel guy that's, you know, basically just chilling on Omega, killing off gangsters <laughs> and stuff like that. Okay. So you find out that it's Garrus. So cool. You got Garrus back. Awesome. Great. Uh, you run into Talia and you go and you hook back up with Ashley Williams and she doesn't trust you. She's like, I thought you were dead. Why didn't you contact me? I, I am. I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you call do this? With Cerberus? What do you do with Cerberus? No, 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 no. You're a Cerberus. Fuck you, bye. And that's how that goes. The new threat uh, is still the the Reapers, but now they, they're sending the Collectors, who are like a controlled race of an ancient species, and turns out to be actually the Collectors are what happened to the Protheans. Okay. They're, they were turned into the Collectors under the Reaper control, uh, working for them. And they're like basically harvesting colonies of humans whole colonies and you got to find out stop them and find out and you go to this huge collector base and that's the final confrontation of the second game what you do throughout the game this is where it really impacts you know whether all your crew members live or die because there some are abducted by the collectors and then others die in the process of defeating them and before you go out there you know you have your final talk with the elusive man and basically you find out his intentions aren't for the greater good of humanity. They're for own personal gain. He's trying to do something else other than save the people. He's just trying to get their technology. And basically you tell him to shove it. You know, you're like, fuck you. I'm going on this mission. I'm going to save the people. And that's what I care about. And then after this, we're done. So fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You save the day, like always. When you start Mass Effect 3, you're in detention. And now one of the big things in this game that they changed gameplay-wise was in cutscenes, you could do specific renegade or paragon choices. And so in the first game, it was only during gameplay. It, that, I mean, it just was, it was just dialogue. That's all it was, was, you know, okay. your dialogue decided what happened. Favorite, favorite example. You're talking to this one mercenary, kind of like drilling him. He, get, he goes, I have nothing left to say to you. And then it gives the choice. I don't know what the paragon one does, but I always had to go with the renegade. You click the right trigger, or R2, if you're on PlayStation, and it does. It goes into the cutscene, and you just push him out the window. And he goes, oh, my God. <laughs> so he's like, I have nothing left to say to you. And then he just pushes him off the win- out the window, Holy and then just shows shit. up from below looking up at Shepard, and he's just like, how about goodbye? <laughs> and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Snap. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. So in the third game, after being the hero, yet again, you're basically 
detained by Earth government because you disobeyed their orders and worked to Cerberus. And they find out something's happening and they want to talk to you. They want to know if this is the Reaper threat that you talked about. And you're like, well, duh. <laughs> I've only been telling you for the last four years that it's going to happen. <laughs> and all of these gigantic squid-like spaceships just start coming out of nowhere and attacking the entire, like, it shows, like, news coverage of London being attacked and, like, Big Ben being destroyed by, like, a giant laser beam. So all that stuff's still around. Well, it was, <laughs> yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and, you know, it's attacking all the Earth. <laughs> no, it's not still around. Are you listening? <laughs> it's gone. It was destroyed. I just told you that. <laughs> it was It was the world's oldest uh, relic. You insensitive prick. How dare you? There was a man working in that tower that day. Are they still around? No! <laughs> so they're like, please, Shepard, save us. We forgive you for any wrong you've done to us. Wait, wait. I did no wrong, asshole. That just I want you to state that first before I help you save that galaxy. You say, I was wrong. You were right. I suck. I'm so sorry. Please help us. I want, as Shepard, I wanted him to say that to me. He did not, but I still called them assholes. Okay. I was like, you know, you because you had the choice that was definitely a renegade option. Yeah. You know, basically being like, I fucking told you so. I fucking told you so. I fucking told you so. Why didn't you listen to me? It was the big draw was, uh, it was going to be working with Connect. I didn't use, I didn't, I don't own a Connect. So... I don't know if you could just be like, you could speak the options, you know? You'd be like, no, I fuck you. I told you so. I fucking told you so. I fucking told us so. (laughs) And it would just analyze how many times you said fuck. You're an asshole. (laughs) Then it chooses the (laughs) option. You're an asshole. (laughs) So basically you get off Earth and you're fighting Cerberus again because the elusive man is up to his tricks. And basically what he's trying to do is figure out a way to control the Reapers. And stop everything. And you're just trying to kill the Reapers, obviously. Obviously. You just want them gone. You you can't trust them. They you can't they'll take control of you, right? Yeah. Mr. Freddie Prince Jr. is one of your characters. Oh yeah? Yeah, Officer Freddie Prince Jr. is that's his name. Oh, he's not he's not spoken by Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> no, he's spoken by Freddie Prince Jr. too. <laughs> is no, it he's really? no. Oh. <laughs> he's James Vega. Okay. And uh, he's kind of, you know, the stereotypical Marine meathead guy. Okay. And you actually learn a lot of backstory about what the Protheans were really like because, you know, a lot of people herald them as this ancient race that were great people and they were basically like slave owners. They went and they conquered other uh, species and made them their slaves. That's not cool. Yeah. And the last one they had conquered were the Asari. And now the Asari are free? Now the Asari are free, yeah, because, the well, the Protheans were wiped out by the Reapers. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, of course. And you find out, you know, why the Reapers are doing what they're doing. And, like I said, the Asari weren't wiped out. They worshipped their what they had installed as their gods, you know, like on all their writings and stuff, were really their slave owners, the Protheans. Their gods were? Yeah, well... No, like, because it was 50,000 years ago and the Protheans were wiped out, so there's no more. Years ago. Okay. You know, so they're looking back at these stone tablets and they built their religion around this. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant. That was just, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and you know, she it comes to the realization they weren't actual gods. We based our religion 
as an upcoming civilization around our slave owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the reason for what the Reapers are doing is they've mapped it out on a cycles that worlds work in cycles. And every 50,000 years, stronger civilizations tend to basically, you know, get too powerful for themselves and then it becomes nothing but a power control thing and galactic war and they can destroy everything. So to stop that from happening, they just completely wipe out the civilizations anyways. Yeah. Machine logic. Well, they're, you know, greater good. Honestly, wiping out civilizations is pretty much the answer to any problem. But they they leave the young ones alone so they can continue to develop. Like, like I said, the Asaris weren't touched, just the Protheans. And the humans weren't touched either because they were very young uh, s- species. So it's kind of like when you're a teenager, you can fuck up. There's not much consequences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were, <laughs> yeah the teenage races and species. <laughs> but then as you get older, there are consequences. So, of course, you know, the end of the game comes and you have the final assault on the Reapers. You kill the elusive man. He kills Keith David, which is sad. And then you kill the elusive man. Well, actually, what's really cool is you kind of talk him into killing himself. That's one of the options you can do. Oh, man. Yes, that's one of the renegade options you can do. And I did the proper sequence I, that it took because I played that that part over and over again a few times to figure out you know what different things you could do. Okay. And one, he shoots you and he kills you. Okay, that's not. That's, I don't, yeah, I don't that's the not that a fun one. one. The other one, you just take control and you shoot him first. And then there's the other one. You can kind of talk him into killing himself. That's that amazing. That is so cool. There's another another one that you missed where Greedo shoots him <laughs> before anybody shoots. Of course. Yes. Of he course. Just, he just steps in the scene and he's like, Bitch Ali. And he shoots him. <laughs> and then Shepard shoots Greedo. Yes. <laughs> so you eventually meet uh the main being that's controlling the reapers and stuff. And it comes in the holographic form of this little kid that's been plaguing you throughout the third game. Uh, he's a kid you saw die in the beginning of the game. I'm picturing the little kid from, um, no, it's a little... that was appearing to Mahinder. <laughs> no, it's a little boy in a hoodie and he's, he comes in that form and basically he explains all this to you and say, you have, there's four different things you can choose from. First choice is you could destroy all artificial life which destroys the Reapers, but it also sends you every civilization back to the Stone Age. Okay. You have to start from scratch. You know, like microwaves are gone, cars don't work, you know, things like that. And then all the androids would be destroyed too. All the androids would be destroyed too. So Edie's gone, Seth Green's sad. And that that is like one of the endings that comes. Everybody, like, you crash your ship and you come looking out in like this jungle and all your crew members come out and they're staring out and Seth Green's there alone. Oh, man. And then the other one is you can choose to control. Now, basically, you would die, but you're controlling the Reapers and helping you literally become in control of them. So you die, but, like, your soul lives on or something? Like, what do you mean you would be in control of them if you die? Oh, like, like basically, no, your body itself would be gone, but your soul, yeah, it gets attached, and you're in control of all machines and stuff. And then there's another one. I forgot what it was called, but it's basically like when you work together. Cooperation. <laughs> yeah. 
Cooperation makes it happen. Cooperation working together. Well, basically, it makes all artificial life and organic life one and the same. Like it, and everybody's part AI, part everything. No, that's that's not what cooperation is. I know. That's Um, what I'm saying. It's not. I mean, I guess that is cooperation, but I mean, that's a very specific type of cooperation. It would kind of be the indoctrination. Cooperation is a more general like idea. It's you like, know, it basically that, just means you're helping each other. And, and that you know. ending lets them all crash land or whatever. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and basically the difference in all these endings, aside from those small things, is the color pattern. A different wave of color washes over them as everything's happening. Okay. Yeah, so that's what a lot of the outcry was about. <laughs> But there is one special ending. I'll tell you guys now, instead of going and choosing your path when you're finishing Mass Effect 3, turn around and shoot the holograph of the kid twice. Do a bunch of chickens attack you? No. Okay. I wish. Oh, my God. It's so much better than what really happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, it just turns in. Like, it like starts to like gain and grow in scale. And it goes like, so be it. The kid? Yeah, the kid. And, and he says, what? So be it. Oh, okay. And he destroys, you know, the Reapers continue their invasion and destroy all of the civilizations and everything continues on its path. Wow. Yeah. you The kill yourself ending, basically. But there was obviously outcry because there were, you know, a lot of people were less than impressed with the ending of such a scope of a game. Uh-huh. I personally was too. I was like, huh. They wanted a little more variety yeah, between the well, different endings. They also wanted a little more closure. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, you know, it's like, oh, boom, everything gets wrapped up. Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, like, huge yeah. Deus Ex Machina. But at least with the patch, the only di- difference it was it released like a little monologue at the end as you're choosing, you know, the thing that it's going through. And it describes what's happening in this new world and what, and what your choice did to affect the new society. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I was at least you know satisfied it satisfied me and i could close you know close the book on the story but there's another game to come at some point i guess i don't know what kind of story that would be made enough money of course there is i mean i wouldn't mind more tales about shepherd and his exploits maybe you know go back to uh the first contact war when you're fighting the turians do a prequel like most yeah. game series is like as, like you know if zelda can do it mass effect of... can do it at least and Mass Effect had a Gears full of War chronology. And Hitman and a lot of a lot of series. A Batman now Arkham the Arkham series. Arkham, the new a one. lot of series are going into prequels. Well, to close the book on this one from the secret. Oh room. god, it's happening again. A hole is tearing in reality. Uh, 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 dude, it opened up right on my mixing board. It is I. The yeah, yeah, we know who you are, Elemis. Look what you did to my fucking mixing board, dude. I'll buy you a new one. For those of you who didn't catch our Animorphs episode a few weeks ago, this omnipotent time-traveling extraterrestrial jackhole that calls himself the Elemis showed up to inform us that we had a responsibility to change the future and save humanity. Jesus, what's with the hostility? What's with changing the future? You never did tell us how we're supposed to do that. Forget about that. It's not important. Not important? I need your help. 
There is a huge intergalactic event happening on Space Station Omega next week. Trillions of people, billions of machines, and a Google Quadruplex viral life forms will be watching. Uh, what, what kind of event? An epic all-out death match between two mystery combatants. And what does this have to do with us? The, the two color commentators were killed in a space skiing accident. We need somebody to host the event. You two are the only ones I know that can pull this off. You know there are other podcasters out there. Yes, but none so easily manipulated. What was that? I said, none so decently articulated. Oh, well thank you. This would be the opportunity of a lifetime for you. Your podcast would gain billions of listeners from all corners of the universe. I don't know. Next week we're supposed to be doing our Meredith Baxter Bernie episode. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say Omega? As in from Mass Effect? Yeah, because that's the only possible thing I could have meant by Omega. But yes. I have a job, like, here on Earth. Wait, and did you say billions? Dude, dude, we gotta do this. And just sell out like that? Sell out what? It's It's a a fucking fucking podcast. Sell out our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, Meredith Baxter Bernie. Don't be that guy. Oh, you know, take your time. It's just the Alamist. It's not like he has stuff to do. When we started this podcast, we made a commitment to stand by our artistic standards and refuse to compromise our creative control. No, we didn't. Yeah, it's just the Alamist. I mean, he's beyond space and time, so it's not like we're inconveniencing him or anything. Alright, fine, but you owe me and Meredith Baxter, Bernie. Who the hell is Meredith Baxter, Bernie? Family ties. So, okay, we're, we're in? Alright, take my hand then. And I will take you past the stars. On the way, can we listen to A Whole New World from Disney's Aladdin? Fucking right we can. Sweet. Alright, well, you better tune in next week for what's looking to be the biggest, craziest episode of Fairpoint yet. Like us on Facebook to follow the clues and discover the identities of these mystery competitors. From The Secret Room, I'm Craig Lewis. I'm Nathan Kapiser. And I'm Meredith Baxter Bernie. Wait, what? Please, bitches. Nah, man, you tripping.